scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. I feel music right now. That's cool. I was doing a big piece on the fact that I don't believe that art should be considered as worthless as it is right now in its day and age. I just had this conversation yesterday with uh, Terry the Tickler and uh, Harold Heavyhands. Oh, really? We all we all agreed that the future is going to be rough and bumpy for us artists. Oh, 100%. It's disgusting because we can go down the street and say, I'm an artist, and someone will say, that's great, but you know that no matter how great the material is that you tell them that they will not buy it, and they will not respect you. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're an artist, or oh, you're a writer, as if... Oh, it's so painful, dude. Yeah. But but you're you're successful. You're, go- you're going to be... You're going to be very successful. Going to be is different than it is. No, but I think... I, I think humble... Humble beginnings ultimately play off comfortably. Comfortably. I have a comfortable start already with where my book... My first book is and is going. Yeah, no, I know. But... My second book that you know that we're working on is more based on this archaic horror mm-hmm. that people tend to put aside for these notions of visual monsters that are made by people with a lack of imagination, which I love, which is why I'm working with you on on this project. So, um, just quick before we before we get back to it. Um, for all you listeners out there, I have a new guest on right now. He's, oh, we're, he's going to go by the name Gestalt, which, um, Google it if you don't know what it means, you fucking aestheticless pieces of filth. <laughs> um, Gestalt is German aesthetic, basically, uh, and, and it deals with a lot of psychology and whatnot and art. And, um, no, it's just, it's, I, I love the name and I love... I love having you here. Yeah, I, thank I, you. We've been working... What we were just talking about, the intro of this episode is what we were just talking about was um, a book we're working on together. And I'm sure the more you're going to come on this show, the more every every so, like, whenever you come back, we're, we're going to have more to say about it. But we've been working on a book for almost a year now. Yeah. It's, it's had its... It's had its ups and downs. We definitely have had, you know, our own personal reasons for taking breaks at oh, times. Oh, definitely. Just because uh, we want to put our all into it. And life and, sucks. And, and life is tough, and I'm in school, and he's been dealing with a lot of stuff, but he also uh, just got married. So, yeah. So, I mean, there there have been ups and downs, and ultimately, life is a beautiful thing, and uh, you are definitely one of my closest friends. Awesome. And, yeah, definitely uh, agree. And I love having you here, and I love working with you, and... Uh, we're working on a, a horror book, which is just as fucking relevant. So I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna plug it whenever we have you here. Yeah. Um, right now it's called Halcyon Knife, but it used to be called Horrendous Natural. Yeah. But I do. No matter what we name it, it has nothing to do with the actual book, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be fucking nuts regardless. And it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be something that I will always look back on and be like. Yo, we fucking did that. Yeah. <laughs> and like and like I know I'm working on um I'm working on a graphic novel right now and you're you, you had already been published. Yeah. Like listeners out there, you could go and look up uh not Gestalt, but his his actual name. Um what's the title of your first book? Flawed Cadaver. Flawed Cadaver. Yeah, it's just a it's a beautiful collection of dark and emotional poetry 
Yeah. Ultimately, that's how I would summarize it. It's like the psyche, going into the deep psyche of man, and I don't mean that to, like, it's not about me throwing out some big word or something. It's the idea that we're, even in death, Like gestalt or anything. Yeah, like gestalt. (laughs) We're we're off at the wrong foot. Yeah. Uh, But, but. But I get. But, but I totally pretentiousness agree with you. aside, <coughs> the sto- it's it's actually more based on a story than it is poetry. Even though each piece is a poem, the yeah. book goes through and makes <coughs> you realize that I am as worthless and um, like in feeling, and I feel as low as everyone else does. <coughs> and through like a hundred pages or whatever, you slowly find me digging myself out of this freaking gutter hole that we're all in. And eventually finding some form of happiness. Not that it's a perfected form, but <laughs> more manageable. More man- slightly more manageable. And but, there's but like- I still like I'm laughing as you're describing this because this is very much what uh, flawed cadaver is. And uh, and I was so happy to hear that you were you were published. And it was just uh, working on this uh, second and almost follow up book in a sense and because it, definitely- it it you know spoilers I guess is that. We work in a very like you. I'm gonna say you separately and me separately okay, cool. work in almost a universe centric kind of fashion. I feel very. I would like to think that like everything I've ever created happens within the same universe same of here, itself. Definitely. And I love that like I didn't even know Stephen King was doing that until like five years ago. Yeah, until you know? Dark. I didn't know anything. Dark about Tower this. came out. Fucking Gunslinger came out in the seventies. We but didn't, I didn't even get Dark Tower until the fucking two thousands. Yeah, and even you then, know, then, forty I didn't see it years right had passed for him to establish a fucking universe and not tell anyone. And it's by, so good. And by the time you see it, you're, you you don't say what you say. Oh. And then, exactly. you, and then by the time you look back at other books, especially if you haven't read them, things make a little bit more sense. Not that he had to do it, which shows ingeniousness. Exactly, the fact that yeah. he did not need to do it to make these books no. thicker. No. But by doing so, he just strengthened what showed he the verbose nature of his ideas. And that not many people can throw that extra, like that extra layer on top and say this this wasn't even a like this wasn't a crutch this is something yeah. i did in my free time by the way all the same universe dropped the microphone and and seriously what uh you know it's it's cool that we talk about stephen king because he's the fucking king of horror in the literary world and i can tell you personally uh disco dracula i gotta give him some time to plug in his music yeah and then uh jango phillips huge readers of Stephen King and Definitely. I, and I know that there are more people out there that listen to this that also like Stephen King. So we uh respect we respect Stephen King so highly and I know I I know I could talk about Stephen King forever but we can't. We honestly we can't. Like uh I was actually told by one of our listeners that uh he was wondering why I don't just do like a talk show, like a bullshit talk show thing about like nerdy things and things that are going on and you know pop culture and shit like that and like comics and movies and stuff. And mm-hmm. I was and I was just like, honestly, there's horror is such a richer and more life encompassing thing because life is horrible and it life truly is terrible is. and there are terrible things happening around the world every day and we are more relaxed by fictionalizing it and talking about it that way. So, like, if yep. this if this really helps do what I'm doing right now, which is filling up a fucking bowl, and I'm sparking a doobie to my dome piece. And I think what's interesting is that as we, as humans, go through this process of writing down the horrors and atrocities, it really does help us get through it. If it wasn't for me writing my first book, I would be in a much darker place. I mean, my wife really 
my I, I got married after the book, but that really helped me along the way too. But before that, if I wouldn't have written that book, whether or not the publishing happened, that's not the point of this. Mm-hmm. I would have been in such a worse place because it was an like an amalgamation of all my terrors and all my fears and all my disasters and inner oh, sins. Which, is, which makes the book so fucking good. I honestly, like, I loved reading that. And I'm not just, I will never blow smoke to you about any of the stuff you come up with. But honestly, like, I went through so fucking much reading that. And I was just, and I was just like, yo, I know who wrote this, and it just makes so much more sense now. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, honestly, coming from you, I, I totally understood it. And uh, uh, we digress. Uh, just because we, we write horror and we talk about horror, uh, it lets us manage the own horrible things we we love. And this 100%. Is, and this is Lots of Pasta. This is the horror podcast that, that we came up with. Yeah, I'm proud to be here. And, um, yeah, episode 28 is about fucking time. I've been inviting you to come since episode 14 probably it might have no, no i'm gonna go back a little bit further episode eight probably. it was like eight or seven it was really early on and <laughs> it you're was like really do early it in and i was game. like but i don't have any time none of us know our schedules work oppositely yeah. I'm, I'm not here when you're available and you're and vice versa. busy when i'm here so it's just like you know I'm, I'm so excited to be done with school and i'm so excited to come back here and i'm, I'm so, so excited for you too and i'm so excited for me to like move out and just have my own fucking place with, be sick. with disco dracula and terry the yeah. and it's just it's gonna be it's gonna be nice and if, if that doesn't happen if this ends up being uh, bullshit then it just means i found something better somewhere else but right now just thinking about it like living with them is gonna be great that would be and, sick um it's just because the more i say his name the more i realize that i have to fucking plug his music and it just is oh. every time every, you say it you gotta every time words. but it's it's his gimmick and he and he appreciates it so i gotta, I gotta Go keep it up um <coughs> disco dracula god damn it and that counts what anyone else says yeah yeah no i just i needed to help yeah oh he's probably laughing right papa now. bless i got you bro we um so i asked uh gestalt here whether or not he's read any creepypastas recently that he really liked and I, honestly he was like uh the one about the skinwalker with the kids and they don't know and i was just like I think you're talking about Anansi's Goatman story, because I've never read it. You've never read this? No, that's... Oh, dude, so that's, exciting. That is the point of this show, is that most of these things are fresh for me, because the only creepypasta I really ever divulged was, like, uh, the S- SP- SCPs? Yeah, yeah. SCPs, Slenderman, The Rake, mm-hmm. um... The more commonly known ones. I mean, then, SCPs are just, like, a million of them. And popular ones that you would just come across on Imgur, or like, 4chan. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Honestly, so um, but yeah, this is a Nazi's Goatman story, and I think we're gonna we're gonna it, since it's long, we're gonna switch off. Go for it. Okay, so just pretext to this this story, um, as someone who really enjoys deep dark horror, as I mean, that's such a filler word to use. As someone who enjoys be, you can feeling specific, feeling very uncomfortable reading, and I want the characters to pop out to me i don't i don't mean the main like the like i don't mean the protagonist i mean antagonist i want the villains and <laughs> yeah, in these cases no, no, i want from, for most most i would say most of the time you're sitting here wondering like i really want these creepers to be creepy <laughs> yeah, i just want everything to be dark and disturbing when someone says 
watch this movie. Man, this monster is disgusting or creepy. I'm like, I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Unless you can make something as beautiful as that monster in Pan's Labyrinth with the eyes in its hands. Fuck yeah, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro, rock on, bro. But I mean, what the fuck happened with Crimson Peak? Let's not talk about that one. Yeah, let's forget Let's not talk about that that The one that was actually supposed to be a horror and not a fantasy, which is the most fucked up part about Pan's Labyrinth, is that it's supposed to be like a realistic fantasy. fantasy, and it just comes off as this terrifying version of labyrinth it's great yeah it's literally nazi labyrinth <laughs> well uh gorilla labyrinth gorilla. by gorilla i mean like uh spanish gorilla forces <laughs> yeah wasn't central america yeah that was messed up man it's and uh it was it was pre um it was pre-revolution la, la revolution but the idea is that if a monster can stick out to me or even the thought of a monster, like what it has, what it does. Even if you can't describe yeah. the physical monster, but you mm-hmm. can describe what it does, and my skin's crawling, I'm happy. So here I am on, and I'm not a 4chan, like I typically am not on it, but I don't know if it was on Imgurin that it was from 4chan, but someone said, watch this or read this, and not a friend, it was just me scrolling through, and yeah. it had like two upvotes. It wasn't something that <laughs> everyone was like, I'm like, this place sucks. Yeah. So I read the green text at the beginning that we'll read in a second, and I said, this is awful because i didn't stick out in the first second which let's just be honest a lot of things don't and yeah. it, it sucks that you have to have a hooker That's hooker <laughs> it sucks that you have to have a hook line and sinker right at the beginning yeah. but you do tv shows they have to or else you no, don't do very, it it's very true so this didn't happen for me and it doesn't need it and that's what's so impressive is by the end of the story i felt uncomfortable and i was happy about it because when I'm writing or when I'm reading, if there's a moment when I feel uncomfortable and I feel like I have to stop or look around to make sure I'm not going to get like stabbed in the neck or like that that creature is in the room, mm-hmm. then A+. plus. So let's start this. Be 16. Be black and have family down in Alabama. They farm and own a huge amount of land in Huntsville. Uncle owns a big house and a bunch of trailers they put out in the woods for camping and hunting. Down South Cousins suggests that we go out there to camp. Now, know that I'm a city kid from Chicago, so they tease the crap out of me, collect food, kill a pig, some chickens, and bring necessities to camp out for a few days. We get to the camp, and it's obviously something, it's obvious that something is weird. Air has this weird electric smell, like right before a storm, like ozone. We think nothing of it and unpack and go down to a little creek to swim for a few hours. All of a sudden, some older white guy and some and a white teenager come out of the bushes. He has a shotgun in his crook of his arm and says hello and asks us what we're doing this far back in the woods. Tell him about my uncle, who he knows, and says we're camping out. He tells us that we need to be really careful out here and stick together. There was a big animal in the woods. He says, his son, who's my age, asks if he can stay out and hang out with us. He says, okay. Now this is where the green text stops because the story is fairly long, but what I'm gonna get at is that that intro, that only part that stuck out to me, the reason that I kept is it said the electric feel, like that mist, and that's yeah. what really got me. So go for uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. I just was like, okay, okay, this is nice. So we end up playing football. Dicking around with me, there's the white kid, Tanner, five of my cousins, and then four of their, four of their friends. In total, there were five girls and six boys. We were all around 15 to 17. We ended up just dicking the day away so we head back to camp and pull out some stuff for a campfire even though the trailers both had kitchenettes 
Tanner says that his family's property sits up against my uncle's. He wants to run home and ask his dad if he can come out camping with us. My cousin Rooster says he's going to go with him since it's going to get dark soon. One of the girls also wants to tag along. It's about 7 o'clock and it's starting to get pretty dark. They take flashlights and take the trail towards Tan's property. The rest of us chill. We make s'mores, drink, and kiss on the girls. About 30 or 40 minutes later, there's the smell of ozone again. You can smell it over the smell of the fire we had started. This really nasty, coppery smell, like right after you've had a nosebleed and it stopped. I fucking hate that. I understand that. It's, Man, it's gross. And it's so good that they describe it that way, because even if you just bleed on your hand or anywhere you get cut and afterwards you smell that metallic, it's like... It's, ah. Exactly. It wasn't exactly like dried blood, but it was that nasty metallic back of your throat smell. Mm. Fuck, this guy's good at describing that. That's beautiful. We immediately think that it's some kind of electrical malfunction or something left a hot plate on or someone left a hot plate on or some shit. We search the trailers and nothing is on. We can't, and we can all smell it. All of a sudden, we can hear people booking down the path towards us, and Rooster Tan and the girl all come running into the clearing out of breath, and they don't even break stride. They all run into the trailer right by where the fire is. We all get the fuck out of there and into the trailers. They end up calming down, even roosters crying his fucking eyes out by this point. All the while, the fire is guttering lower and lower, so my other cousin says, fuck it, and are about to go outside to get the generator out of the shed between the trailers. Tanner goes, fuck no, lock the doors, ain't nobody going outside. He's been crying, too, and his eyes are bloodshot and puffy, and his pants are dirty as shit. He goes on to tell us that they went up to the house. His father said, sure. He could go out camping, but to make sure they were careful on the way back and that they should take one of the hunting rifles just in case. Evidently, Tanner had something in their yard a few days before. One of their pigs had just come up, ripped up, and half-eaten. They assumed it was just some big cats or coyotes, even though they don't usually fuck with live animals. He'd gone upstairs and packed his stuff and told his dad they'd be okay without the rifle because coyotes avoid people. So they started walking back towards where they were camping. So, Rooster finally stops crying and shaking. The girl already had, but she was staring out the window with a dumb look on her face. He says that they had gotten halfway into the woods, towards the camp, when they started to hear stuff in the forest. It was almost pitch black by this time, so they weren't sure at first what the frick it was. The girl says that she heard something in the bushes right off the trail, and they all beamed their flashlights over there and there was someone standing back in the woods in a little hollow. Rooster said they shouted at him and told him that he was scaring the crap out of them and what a dick he was. He says that's when he realizes that the guy was facing away from them. So they kept walking, and they start smelling the nasty coppery ozone smell. They say that they took off into the forest on the opposite side, and it's a dude standing in the forest backwards slightly closer to the path. So now they start power walking, and Tanner keeps going, I should have taken the rifle, I should have taken the rifle. And as they're telling the story, the smell is still super strong, even inside the cabin now. They say that after they started walking faster, a kind of low gibbering had started coming from both sides of the woods. And as they started booking it back to the trailer, the girl said that she had flashed her flashlight out into the woods to the sides of them, and had seen something jerking itself through the woods, just... (laughs) The gibbering just got louder and louder, and when they could see the light from our campfire, something had come out of the woods about 40 yards behind them, and they flat out ran as hard as they could to the trailer. So we're out in the woods, and we're assuming at this point it's some rednecks or something trying to screw with us, 
all of a sudden my other cousin, Junior, starts going on about how he went to school with a native kid that was telling him about the goat man or something stupid. We promptly tell him to shut the hell up because we don't need any spooky talk right now. But he keeps going on and on about the goat man and how we're in his woods, blah, blah, blah. Now at this time, I never heard of the goat man or any of that. But then a couple years ago, the year before I graduated from college, I had a roommate and I ended up asking him about it. And to sum it up, it's basically a man with the head of a goat and he can shapeshift and he gets among groups of people to terrorize them. It's also supposed to be like the Wendigo. And it's bad mojo to even talk about it or even worse if you see it. Keep in mind, I didn't know this back in when I was 16, so my cousin is like, oh, the goat man's trying to get in and screw with us. The girls are all terrified and my cousins and I are just trying to figure out if there's some hillbillies or if it's some animal. So all of a sudden, the smell just goes away. Like to this day, I've never experienced anything like that. It usually smells fade away or lessen. It was just there one second and not the other second. So it's after an hour making it around 9 or 10 p.m. We've stopped shifting bricks. <laughs> what? Crap, you could say crapping. Oh, I thought it said shifting. Oh, Shit that bricks. Bricks. I didn't know that. Okay. And we stopped crapping bricks long enough to go outside and stoke the fire again. We figure out it's just some a-holes trying to screw with us, so we don't want to go back home, because if we do, they'll chase us through the woods or something else freaking crazy. Nothing else weird happened that night, though. And we stay another night. For the main part of that night, nothing happens either. At about one in the morning, we're outside getting drunk and telling ghost stories. As someone is finishing some too spooky for real story, I don't remember what about, but the smell comes back. And it's so freaking strong, like, that one of the girls started actually vomiting. <laughs> and I stand up, and you can just feel how clammy the air is. I say we should get inside, and something is not right. And we should have left. We should have left. But we all go back inside, and we're standing around. My cousin just keeps going on about, it's the goat man, it's the goat man. And my cousin Rooster tells him to shut up. And all the while, I'm just feeling like something's wrong, and I cannot figure out what it is. We end up sitting there for a while. The smell is just as strong and we're terrified and all huddled in this camper. We end up cooking brats for everybody because nobody wants to go outside. It's one of those packs with four brats. We have a total of three packs. I grill them up on the stove and give everybody a hot dog. I get mine. After a while, one of my cousin gets up and goes over to the pot to get another one. He starts grumbling about it. How I got two brats and everybody else got one and I look at him like he's fucking stupid. <laughs> I tell him that everybody only got one because there were only 12 brats. If he wants more, he should open up a new pack and cook some more. That's when the girl that had been out with Rooster and Tan just starts screaming, oh Jesus, oh Lord, get it out. She's crying and shivering and then it's it dawns on me and the, sec and the cousin standing up, what the fuck is wrong? Me and him both glance around the room and then my, I feel my fucking heart sink. I run the fuck out of the cabin, and the girl runs out with us. The trailer door is banging against the side of the trailer as everybody books it out the cabin. One of my cousin's friends asks us what the fuck was wrong. I start counting us. There's only 11 now. I shit you not, my cousin verified. They had, there had been 12 people in the cabin, but being that everybody didn't really know each other well, nobody had really noticed the whole fucking time because there was an extra person. 
and then I realized earlier that I had kind of noticed something was off. You know how when you're just dicking around, having a good time, that you, you don't sweat the smallest shit and you don't always keep track of certain stuff? I'm dead sure that someone else had been in the trailer with us and that they had just been there for at least a fucking day eating with us. What makes it worse is I could figure out which one because I don't think anyone ever actually interacted with the other person, the goat man. The girl kept praying to Jesus and we're all sitting outside. Eventually we get big ass sticks and go back into the cabin, but hey, there's nobody in there. We count again and there's 11 people. We go back into the trailer and lock the door. We explain what the fuck happened and the girl says that she realized too and that when he was about to say something, the person sitting next to her grabbed her leg hard and leaned over toward her and said something she couldn't understand. So we're pretty much scared as fuck as we huddle together and I fall asleep. When I wake up, the sun is just coming up and the half the people are asleep and the other half are packing our shit up. We all want to walk back home, but like four people want to stay until the sun is all the way up and some people think that we're just fucking around and still want to stay at the trailers. I just want to get the fuck out of the woods. The girl's name was Kira, the one that the goat man had touched. Anyway, I asked her if she really thinks it was something bad, and she says she just wants to go home and she doesn't want to be out in the woods alone for another night. So we decide to split up. The four that want to go can go, but I decide to stay because I have the keys to the cabin, it's my uncle's, and I have to lock it up. I'm super pissed at this point because I feel like people aren't taking this shit seriously, and I definitely didn't want to be out in the woods for another night. I spend the rest of the day trying to convince the rest of the people, now four girls and four guys, to get the fuck out of Dodge. Tanner leaves them to go get a rifle and says he's going to be back. So there are just seven of us left by 4 p.m. Why would you do that? It's so dumb, especially alone. I know. Not even, even two, even, three. Even in the daylight, like, you yeah. know this shit is fucking up, man. At around 5 p.m., he hasn't made it back yet. And we're getting extremely fucking antsy, and the only reason I stopped begging them to go back was because he went to get a gun. It's about 5.30pm or so, when one of the cousins that did stay says that Kira, the girl Kira is outside. We all look outside, and sure enough, she's standing by the fire pit with her back to the cabin. That's not her. Yeah, that's not I'm making an assumption right yeah, now. Yeah, you're making the assumption? Not. We'll find out. I'm well, you'll find out. I'm thinking to myself, if she was so fucking scared, why the hell would she come back? And then I get this nasty feeling in my gut, keep in mind the whole time the coppery smell has been gone. Now I realize I can just smell a twinge of it. I say this to the rest of them and everybody, and these are the people that wanted to stay in the fucking woods after we had the goddamn goat man in our midst, is laughing at me and asking if I set this up to scare them. I'm looking at them like, I'm not fucking bullshitting you all right now. I ask them why the fuck would I play like that, so one of them girls goes out to get Kira. She gets halfway to her and stops cold. Kira starts heaving. I don't know how the fuck to describe it, sort of like if someone with their back turned was laughing without actually making any sound. It was the f this fact that made me realize there was not a fucking sound in the whole woods. It was dead silent. This was like later in September, so it was still fairly hot at the time, but it was super chilly some days too, and you could usually hear big ass geese honking or some kind of birds or squirrels chit-chatting. So I step out the door and tell her to come back in the fucking trailer right goddamn now. She backs up into the trailer and we lock the fucking door. We pull down all the shades except for one and put a guy there in, in a chair to watch her. She stands there for another 20 minutes or so. The guy turns to say that she's still there. And there's a huge fucking bang on the door. 
We all jump the fuck up and scramble around the living room or the trailer. The banging is super fucking loud. Do you like it so far? Fuck yeah. Isn't it sick? So now my cousin is holding one of the girls, and the two other are just kind of giggling with nervous laughter, and me and the other two guys are crapping bricks. And then we hear Tan. He's screaming, let me in, stop playing. We go over to the door and open it, and he stumbles in with a rifle. There's no one else outside. Evidently, he had walked up to the campsite. Nothing weird happened in the forest, but he had seen a girl. Mind you, he said it was not Kira standing there. When he gotten back to the edge of the clearing, she had turned towards him with a slack-jawed look and just stared him down, slowly tracking him as he walked around the outside of the clearing towards the camp. He said it wasn't until he was almost halfway there that he had realized that she was getting closer to him. Mm-hmm. She had started off by the fire. Without him even seeing her move, she had been turning, inching closer. He said he had just ran the rest of the way back to the cabin, thinking it would open. And when he got to the door, it was locked. He turned, and it was about half the distance to the door. Okay. See, I thought it would turn, and it would be like... Right, 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 right there right already? There. No, they give you a little more. Okay, okay. He looks around the room and then gets super pale. He pulls me to the side and whispers in my ear, you know there's only seven of us in here, right? I get that feeling where your stomach drops to your nuts. It had been back inside the trailer while we were sorting out who was going where, and then while we all went outside earlier to talk, it slipped right back in. We looked out the window, and there was nobody out there. So we recount everyone, and then basically I go over and ask everyone how many people there were earlier, and everyone says eight. I say, well, how many are there now? They all do the count and realize that there's only seven in the cabin. So Tan had brought back a box of ammo and his rifle. And he told his dad that there was some kind of animal in the forest because he didn't his, he didn't think his dad would believe him if he had said goat man. And I wouldn't have either. He says that his cousin is supposed to be coming down in a few hours and in the morning we can all go back to his place and his cousin will drive us home. Now, at this point, I am absolutely petrified. But I at least feel better because we can be American and shoot what. <laughs> Ever we want that comes back towards us. But then my cousin gets into this huge argument with one of the girls because she thinks that I'm trying to be funny and prank them, and that she's getting really scared and that I'm not funny. He keeps telling her that I'm not that kind of person, and she says, well how do we know the girl wasn't just Tanner in a wig? Or if it really was the goat man, how do we know that this is really Tanner, and that the goat man didn't kill Tanner in the woods and take his gun. So we get into a huge argument about this where me and Tanner are like, we could seriously be in danger because at the very least someone has been sneaking themselves into our trailer without us knowing, mingling with us, and at worst, something bad in the forest is messing with us. One of the girls is crying and saying she wants to go right now, and we're trying to tell her we shouldn't because none of us are walking through the woods in the middle of the night. At this point, the sun is starting to go down and is getting a little crowdy out. We eat something and turn on the radio for a while, but we can't really get a station out there with anything decent. So we turn it off, and about that time, it's Tan's cousin shows up. He was like 19, I think. At this point, the sun is just barely over the horizon, and he has one of those heavy-duty lantern flashlights and another rifle. He walks up to the trailer, and we whisper to Tan, asking if he's sure that it's his cousin, and he says yes. The guy looks behind him and all around the camp then walks in. He kind of glances at all of us and looks a little confused. He says, where's your other little buddy at? I figured she would meet us up at the cabin. Is she a little slow or something? He also asked me whether we had been cooking blood in the cabin because it smelled like blood and hot pans all the way up the trail. We were all like, nope, but we asked him what he's talking about with the girl that he saw. He had come down the same trail Tan had been using and he had come up on 
one of you guys' buddies, standing in the middle of the trail, looking at him slack-jawed. He had asked her a bunch of questions, but all she did was look at him. Then she smiled at him, and he kept walking. She couldn't seem to keep up with him and kept lagging a little behind. He said he asked her if she was hurt or something and if she needed any help, but she had continued to just stare. Eventually, he had been walking and turned around a bend in the trail, but when he turned around and went back to see if she was okay, the trail was empty. He assumed she had taken some shortcut through the woods to our trailer. We tell him the whole story of what's been going on. I have expected him to say we were full of shit, but he just listened and then sat down on the couches in the living room. Tanner's cousin gets back to the girl. He says when she had kept trying to lag behind him, it kind of weirded him the fuck out, so he tried to keep her in front of him. But no matter how slow he walked, she was always lagging a little behind. And that he smelled this nasty smell and it got stronger as he got to the camp. Eventually, it got really strong. She had said something really low that he didn't catch, and when he had turned around, she had been right the fuck up on him, and he stepped back from her. It was at this point he asked her if she was okay, and if she wasn't him to carry her back the rest of the way, and she just kept staring. He said he reached out for her, as in to grab her on the shoulder, but he must have misjudged the distance because she was off, the si off to the side where he put his hand, like she had moved while he was looking dead at her. Which is so cool that they put that in the story. Yeah, just like just like the way like the body just moves away from the hand. Even like, though he's looking directly at her, somehow oh yeah. they moved. It's literally just like... Yeah. It's just crazy. So at this point, we know this shit's real, unless Tan is playing a joke. Which we can tell it's not, because he's almost pissing his pants. So they load up their rifles, we eat some more, and we just kind of sit around until 11. To this fucking day, every time I think about this, I really pray to God that it's some huge prank that my cousins are playing on me, and just never re revealed it, so I would just shit for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> At round 11, the stink of copper turns into the actually nasty, gross blood-like smell, the cooking blood and singed hair. Tan and his cousin Reese get the fuck up instantly and grab the rifles. There's like a half-knocking, half-clawing at the door. I shit you not, there's this voice, and it sounded like when you see those YouTube cats and dogs whose owners teach them how to talk. <sighs> it's saying in this halting, weirdly-toned voice, Let me the fuck in! Stop fucking playing! It made my fucking nuts creep up against my body, and one of the girls just starts <laughs> crying and calling on Jesus. It was so fucking obviously not a person talking. It didn't have that right cadence, and that's some shit that I never realized until that moment, but all people have a certain cadence when they talk, no matter what language. All people have a certain kind of rhythm to talking. This shit didn't have any kind of cadence or rhythm. One of those YouTube cats, that's what the fuck it sounded like outside the door. So now I'm in full-on terror mode. We keep yelling outside, Who is it? Stop fucking around, man! And it just keeps saying, In! Or, Let me in! the fuck in <laughs> let, let me the fuck in for almost 15 minutes it has a youtube clip which i imagine is what it sounded like yeah. and i want to compare it to the noises i've been making cat talk i do know this I guess I was kind of close. Yeah, but it's this idea 
as funny as this video is, it's creepy to think that there's something knocking going like, Let me in. Because you're like, Let me in. Let me in. It's like trying to mimic human words. Oh yeah, no, it's like the thing. I fucking love it. It sounded like this almost, just not funny. (laughs) Sorry for being on a tangent, but if you can't imagine how this shit sounded, then you can't imagine how fucked up the whole situation was. So then the smell goes away for a while, and for the next hour or so, you can hear someone basically creeping around in the woods and shit. Every couple of minutes, it'll come back to the door and say something. Finally, when the smell fades away, it's around 2 in the morning right now. Reese says, man, fuck this, and opens the door and walks outside with his rifle. He fires a shot in the air and says something to the effect of, in the name of Jesus Christ, go away. He fires two more times, and then from the woods right up against the river, across from the trailer, it sounds like something is slowly gibbering and ooting. Then it starts screaming, and it sounds almost like a woman and a cat in a bag screaming together. Like, I seriously have never heard any shit like that, and you can hear the brush over that way start to shake. Reese fires over into the tree line, and then starts backing into the house. We lock the door, and we can hear this shit keening and screening. Reese says something had come out of the bushes super low to the ground and crawling toward the cabin. He had shot at it. Pretty much, that was how the rest of the night went. It was literally screaming constantly for the next two hours, and we could hear shit moving out in the tree line, but it never came back up to the cabin until everyone had finally fallen asleep. How would you be able to fall asleep you, you during that shit? Like, I, I would not. I had talked, uh, I cut it out of the episode, but Django Phillips and I talked about like how long could you could you go without sleeping? I mean, yep. I, I might not have cut it. In my episode 10, I think, is when we read Russian yeah, Sleep I didn't Experiment. Um, I love Russian Sleep Experiment. Episode 10. Um, and I had mentioned that I, at one point, had stayed up for, like, two full days, mm-hmm. going on, like, three, and then I slept for, like, a whole, like, a whole day and woke up the night, like, the following day. Yeah. It's real fucked up, but I was just, like, I've done that because I've been, like drinking soda and binging through a game yep. or several games in like a night but if I had ever been put in a situation of absolute horror there was no way I would fall the fuck asleep and me just knowing how long I could stay awake is just like these nights would have been sleepless for me yeah yet most people in stories do this they'll hear something I don't, horrific in movies too they'll hear something yeah, horrific yeah. Oh, I don't understand this trope though I really don't well it's the trope of moving the plot forward you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, nope. That's how they do it. Tan had been sitting in the chair watching the door with his rifle. Nobody else heard or saw this, and he told me two days later after the whole thing was over. He said he had been nodding off after the screaming noises finally stopped, and he had almost been asleep when he saw someone come out of the bathroom and then just lay down in the middle of the floor and go to sleep. He just assumed it was one of us, and he had just nodded off. Then he said he kind of realized something was wrong, and while pretending to be asleep, he counted us, and there were nine people in the cabin. He basically didn't want to try to shoot at the fucking thing in the cabin and have it all kill us all, and then there, uh, and then have it kill us all then and there, or have Reese wake up and start shooting, and then we all kill ourselves. So he just stayed awake all night, pretending to be asleep. He said sometimes it would stand up and kind of do this weird jittering thing or heave like it was laughing, but then it would lay back down. The story closes pretty weak because, from my perspective, nothing happened. We woke up and noticed that Tam was a little jittery, and then we <clears throat> we woke up, and then I noticed that Tam was a little jittery and that he had been avoiding looking at us. But we ate some breakfast, packed up, and started walking to his house. 
He stayed last in the cabin and said he'd lock up and bring me my uncle's keys just to start walking and he'd catch up, which I didn't really want to do. We got a little bit up the path, and when he came running up, basically we just jogged back to his house. His cousin took us home. There was a window in the bathroom. Tan had gone back to lock up and look in there. We were too stupid to lock a screenless window. The window was was up. <laughs> the window was up when he went in there. I'm guessing it had been doing that all along, waiting for us to fall asleep or slip up and then get in among us. It walked with us all the way back to his house, and then he said it lagged to the back of the group and looked him dead in the eyes before walking back into the woods. <laughs> That's it. That's great. And the cool thing about this story is the ending isn't the like the ending isn't the end. It's it's you know what I'm saying? The ending isn't the best part, it's the whole like the, it's, it's, it's the, the experience. It's the experience. I mean, honestly, it was great. It was great every step of the way. I uh I I now know why people talk about that one so much because that was just great. Like that could be a that could be a good movie, honestly. Sadly, someone will make a really crappy PG-13 version. That is like poor. no. See, that's the thing. I think this could be PG thirteen, but still have really great acting. No, I, I'm not talking about the fact that it's PG. I'm saying I know it sounds stupid. That I'm saying it like this, but I think people would make that PG thirteen the first Ouija movie sort of a movie. You know what I'm saying? Where someone has an okay idea and then it's just so poorly executed, and they're trying yeah. to make a PG thirteen for the sake of PG thirteen. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So they're so they're candoring. They're, they're personally taking everything a step back just so for the audience. Yeah. So that it can reach everyone. See, I think it could be Rings 2 PG-13. Yeah, or it's really or, creepy. Or, uh, no, why did I say Rings 2? You meant Ring. I meant, I meant Ring 2, because Rings just came out. And it was no, yeah, for people listening, fucking we're not talking about Rings with an S. We're talking about Ring, the Ring 2, two which, is, which is basically just everything from the first movie, but not rated R this time. Yeah. Well, first did, one's actually they, not rated R either. They did that? First one's I not thought rated the first one was rated R. No, but it felt it, because it was creepy. Even though it's not bloody, it's just creepy and it has that weird Japanese kind and, of and that's brutal what I feel. Mean. This had a very, uh, this would need a Japanese kind of. Oh, attempt. definitely. You know, like a Kari Fuganawa, like the dude who's yeah. the dude who wanted to do uh, it mm-hmm. but, but fell off the yep. script. One hundred percent. Mama was R, wasn't it? No, PG thirteen. Mama was PG thirteen. Yeah, I. This is it. what that would be. like. Yeah, and I would like to think so. And if you people are hearing, this would need that. But you're saying 100%. it would be. Uh, you're saying it would be Ouija. Which I'm saying, is understandable. I'm saying I fear that it would be Ouija. <laughs> you know, honestly, it probably would be. Because the trailer would look sick. The trailer would have these kids talking backwards You're in right. Alabama. You're right, though. And they would be like talking about how amazing how amazing it's been and how they, they want to go camping one last time before he goes home with his cousins. And and then you just hear a few sounds like uh, like totally grudge style. Oh fuck. And yeah. then you'd see some flashes. And then that'd be it, and you're like, yes, I'm in, I'm in. And then you'd see the movie, and it would show the monster too much instead and of that, it just... Or that would be or that would be all you get, like the yeah. shit they included in the trailer, which <laughs> is, is what is happens. It. Which is what happens with, like, every movie now. Yeah, you see um, all the good moments in a movie, in the trailer. Seriously, ladies and gents, it's not just the weed. Yeah, I'm not even doing You're not even smoking the weed. today. You've smoked with me on other days, but you're not smoking with me. Not today. Not today. Not so, today. Um, uh, we're going to get into our second and for- unfortunately last story because mm-hmm. these episodes will only run this long. And yeah. um, 
still uh, that that first story was fucking awesome. So I, I I'm gonna I'm hoping that this could be a similar recounting of odd events. Cool. This one is called the strangest security tape I've ever seen. Also from Creepy Postal. He's hitting the hit. I work at a gas station in rural Pennsylvania. Shout out. Shout out to PA. Yo, 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 them PA boys. We them boys. Shout out to little Ricky. It's a boring job, but it's pretty easy and it pays all right. My brother worked at a gas station throughout high school. A few weeks ago, this new guy started. I'll call him Jeremy. Jeremy is weird. He's about 25 or 26 and he hardly speaks. But he's got the creepiest laugh I've ever heard. My boss and I have both noticed this, but it's never been a problem, so there's not much we can do about it. Customers have never complained about him, and he's always done his job fairly well, up until a few weeks ago, anyway. That's when things started going missing. Employee theft can be a problem at any business, and that sells consumer goods, and there's only one person working at a time at a gas station, so it's, it's a pretty small place. About two weeks ago, my boss started noticing that we were short on motor oil. At first, it was a few containers at a time, then entire shelves and boxes from the back room. Pretty soon, entire shipments would be gone the day after we got them, and it would always be right after Jeremy's shifts. My boss has checked the security camera tapes from every single night he worked, but he could never catch him in the act. Jeremy would lock up at closing, then the motor oil would be gone the next day. My boss usually takes the tapes home with him to try and catch Jeremy stealing, but his daughter had a softball game lit last night, so he asked me to watch the tape for him. He offered to pay me overtime under the table, so obviously I took that offer. There are three cameras, so he gave me three different tapes to check. I fig- I, I just feel like what story you just told me yeah, might, might have a similar effect here. I figured it would be a long night, but I'm trying to save up for a vacation, so I really needed the money. I took the tapes home, popped them into an old VCR, and sat back. Two days ago, the last time he worked, Jeremy started around 4 p.m. Everything seemed pretty normal at first. He counted up his drawer and switched off with the girl who was working before him and waited for a customer. The first person who came in was Mrs. Templeton. The timestamp on the video read around 4.03. A regular. She picked up her cigarettes and a newspaper and paid with a 20. Nothing unusual there. The next customer was some local guy named Ron. He drives a motorcycle, usually comes in every few days. He filled up his tank, got a bag of beef jerky. Shout out to beef jerky. Shout out to them jerkies. Paid with his credit card and then left. Next was some guy with a cowboy hat. I'd never seen him before, but we get plenty of strangers passing through, just like any gas station. He got $40 worth of diesel fuel, paid with a $100 bill, and went on his way. Sat back inside. The only thing more boring than doing this job is watching someone else do it. My boss's offer was enough to keep me watching, though, so I left the tape on. Everything seemed pretty normal. I had a feeling that if Jeremy was stealing motor oil, he knew he, we were suspicious of him by now. I didn't expect him to be dumb enough to let us catch him on camera. Things stayed boring and routine until about 5 o'clock. At 5.03, Miss Templeton came back in. She must have forgotten something, but she didn't. She bought the same pack of cigarettes as before and the same newspaper. She paid with another 20. That's odd, I thought, but then again, she's a little absent-minded. I thought Jeremy sh- should have told her she already got her smokes, but it's not against rules to sell somebody the same thing twice. That's when Ron came in again. He bought another ta- tank of gas for his motorcycle again. I later checked the outdoor camera because I thought maybe he had another car he wanted to fill up. The same pack of beef jerky. He paid with the credit card. Again. No big deal, I figured. This was some weird coincidence. Miss Templeton is forgetful and Ron probably owns more than one Harley. That's when the guy in the cowboy hat came back. I felt a chill run down my spine. Don't get diesel. Don't get diesel. I found myself whispering to the empty living room, but he did. 
He got $40 worth of diesel fuel and paid with another $100 bill. Every move he made was identical to his first, right down to the way he scratched his nose before he walked out. Either this guy's rich, owns a lot of trucks, and just moved into town, or something really bizarre was happening. Kept watching. Every customer for the next hour was the same as before. Every single one was seriously freaked out. And then at 6.03, Miss Templeton walked back in. She bought her cigarettes and newspaper again and paid with 20 again. I thought I was going to lose it. I only watched another half hour before I started fast-forwarding through the rest of it. It was all the same. Every customer come in at the exact same times, exactly one hour apart. Now, I know what you're thinking. That sneaky mofo Jeremy had been messing with the tapes. He had run a loop of his first hour business over and over. That was not the case. There are windows around the cash register area that the camera covers, and I watched the sunlight fade as time ran on. Jeremy's routine didn't loop over. He swept, mopped, restocked, and did all his daily duties exactly how you would expect, but the same customers kept coming in. I was panicking at this point. Something was seriously wrong with what I was seeing, and I had no explanation for it. I skipped ahead to when he locked up and walked out to his car. He hadn't stolen anything, but I just kept watching just to make sure. I fast-forwarded one last time to midnight. At exactly 1.03 out of nowhere, Jeremy's face pops up on camera. I didn't mean he moved his head into view. I mean that the one second the store was empty and the next second his face was all I could see. Which is terrifying to imagine. He wasn't even looking at the camera. He was looking at me. I was sure of it. I screamed and fumbled for the remote. By the time I grabbed it, he was gone just as soon as he had left. One frame he was there, the next he wasn't. My hands were shaking like crazy, but I popped in another tape. The other indoor camera shows the back area by the cash register, and I would be able to see how he got up there to put his face in the camera like that. I skipped around 12.03, but there was nothing. I would have been able to see him standing on a chair or something at this point on the tape, but he wasn't there. I didn't see him enter the store at all after he left. It's like he wasn't really there. He doesn't know the security code, and no alarms were triggered that night after he locked up. What I did see, however, was that at 12.03, the motor oil vanished off the shelf. All of it. Same as Jeremy's face, the one second it was there, and the next second it wasn't. I turned that tape off and went to bed, but I didn't get a wink of sleep. There you go, that's more realistic. It's more realistic. I would have been freaked the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, my body is exhausted right now, but my mind is racing. That tape was undoubtedly the creepiest, most disturbing thing I've seen in my life. I work in a few hours. My boss asked me to bring the tapes back in and let him know what I found, but really, what the hell am I going to say? Jeremy works the night shift tonight, directly after me, and the plan is for my boss to come in just before I leave and confront him with me, as I'm supposed to be the one who caught him stealing. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I suppose I'll have to show my boss the tapes, but I don't want to watch them with him. I never want to see something like that again. I can't get the image of Jeremy just smiling directly into the camera out of my mind. It was the creepiest look I've ever seen on another human being's face. Anyway, I'm going to try to get some last minute sleep before I have to go in and deal with this. I'll let you guys know what happens. Update, 2.49 p.m. Okay, updating from my phone, so I apologize in advance for any errors. My boss just finished watching the last steps of the tape. My boss just finished watching the last of the tape. I told him what to expect, but you can't really prepare someone for something like that. He's scared crapless. I still am too, and Jeremy is due to come in at 4. 
We just got a little over an hour to get our stuff together, but no one really knows what to say to him. Is he just one of those screwed up guys who likes to steal motor oil and scare the crap out of people, or is it, or is he something else? I don't know if this is crazy, but does anyone think he could have had anything to do with the time loop? My boss says he's never noticed anything like that in the other tapes, but the way he popped up on that one made me think that he knew I'd be watching. It's like he wanted me to be able to see what he could do like he was showing off or something. The way he smiled into the camera was something a little kid does, showing you a sandcastle they just built or something. I, I don't know, I, I probably sound crazy. I sure feel the part. I'm gonna talk to my boss more now. We, we're gonna calm ourselves down and figure out how to handle this. I'll update again tonight, but I have a really bad feeling about how this is gonna play out. Update, 4.33 p.m. No sign of Jeremy. We tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update, 5.33 p.m. No sign of Jeremy, We've tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update, 6.33 p.m. No sign of Jeremy, we tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're gonna call the police. Update, 7.33 p.m. No sign of Jeremy, we tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update, 8.33 p.m. No sign of Jeremy, we're trying called him, tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update, at 10:58 p.m. Holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. I just got home and saw my previous updates. Things make less sense now than ever. Here's what I can tell you. I went to work. Jeremy never showed up. My boss and I decided to call the police as you're well aware. When I picked up the phone to call, though, the sun was gone. I I I I swear that's what I thought happened. Apparently, I blacked out for exactly 5 hours because when I looked at the clock, it was 9:33. I think I just got stuck in Jeremy's time loop and then I snapped out of it the exact moment I was blacked out, if that makes any sense. But that's that's when things got really weird. My boss was right next to me when I blacked out, ready to corroborate my story to the cops. When I came to, the phone was in my hand, but it was dead. Not even a dial tone. My boss was still right there, but he wasn't moving. He was standing up, but frozen. I looked at the clock again, and it wasn't moving. The second hand was stuck on the 12. It was 9.33 exactly. The clock on the register computer screen wasn't moving either. My phone was frozen. There was even a customer at the register waiting for my boss to get him cigarettes. I'm betting that would have been his fifth pack of the day. I got the fuck out of there. Didn't look up, didn't turn the lights out. And sorry guys, I didn't grab the security tapes to upload on the internet. Believe me, that was the last thing on my mind. The gas station is on the major highway and cars were parked all, all along it, except they weren't parked, they were frozen. People inside were sitting. The people inside were sitting still as wax sashes. I got in my car and prayed that it would start. Thankfully, it did. About halfway home, time starts up again. The static from the radio turned into music, like it's supposed to be. And from what I could tell by listening to the host talk in between songs, no one noticed the time freeze or whatever it was. I was the only one. While I'm sure Jeremy noticed as well, I still have no clue where he is or what he's doing. I'm hiding in my room and calling the police again in the morning. I don't know if I'll ever get through to them before, or if I did, whether they took me seriously. I'm scared for my life at this point. I'll update tomorrow if I can. Final update, 10.33 a.m. I finally fell asleep last night around 4. I have no idea how I did it. I guess exhaustion finally got the best of me. This morning I woke up to my phone ringing. It was my boss. He'd been calling me since about 6. He woke up 
when time turned back on last night and immediately called the cops. They came by to see what was wrong, and he told them everything. The police, the police around here are all small-time guys. They were more concerned with the missing motor oil than anything, but my boss figured he would take it. As long as he had their attention, they decided to go looking for Jeremy. We keep all our employees' applications on file, and since Jeremy just started working there, his was easy to find. They checked the address on it and headed over to the house. You're not going to believe what they found. The address Jeremy listed on his application was an empty lot, or at least now it is. There used to be a house there, but it burned down in 1993. Being a small town, almost everyone remembered that fire. A family of four used to live there way back when. Rumor has it that if they had an, that they had an estranged son who, ne who they never really talked about, but I can't say for sure if that's true. What I can say is true is that after an insurance investigation, the fire was ruled an arson. The entire house was soaked in oil and torched with a Molotov cocktail. The entire family was sleeping when it happened, none of them survived. They never caught the guy who did it, rumor has it, that when they tried to contact the estranged son, no one could find him. Anyway, my boss called and told me this, and I freaked out. Then he asked me to come to the gas station. What, are you crazy, I said, but he assured me that the cops were there with him. Then he dropped a bomb. The FBI were also in town, and they were going to talk to me one way or another, so I might as well come in. It was about 7.15 and I wanted to go back to bed, but I figured I wouldn't be able to sleep much more anyway, so I went down. Four men in suits greeted me and told me to have a seat. We went over everything two or three times until they all got the details down. I told them about Jeremy, the security tape, last night at work, everything. Finally, after I finished, one of the agents said, Oh Christ, we got another one on our hands. Then they made a, me sign a bunch of papers saying I wouldn't tell anyone about what happened, so I can't say much more. I might be breaking the law just by posting this. So now I'm home. I'm not sure what to do with myself. The agent's words when I told him the story are going to haunt me for the rest of my life. Anyway, I've got to go. I have some errands to run today, and then I have to go into work to pick up some tapes. My boss and I think this new guy, Jeremy, he's a complete creep, is stealing motor oil, and I have to watch the security footage to see if I can catch him doing it. I have better things to do, but my boss is paying me overtime under the table, and I'm trying to save up for vacations so I can really use that money. It should be pretty simple. The oil always goes missing right after it shifts. I figure I'll watch the tapes caption in the act, and that will be that. That's awesome. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I liked that. I just uh, mm -hmm. what what do you think the FBI were saying? Like, oh, we got another one. Like, what do you what do you think they're what do you think they're theorizing? They they found that there's another person who can mess with time, or another attempt. Like, meaning that whether it's the same guy over and over again, right? But it seemed like it was a localized. It seemed, it seemed like they were trying to say like another thing, another being, another it. It's pretty much an X Files sort of an idea. Yeah, it is. Where they <sighs> see something awful happen and they're just like, okay, um, yeah. you don't know any of this. You know who would have solved the Goatman problem? Who? Mulder. Oh yeah, Mulder would have done it. <laughs> Scully would have been like. Scully, oh. Scully would have been like. You can't be serious. Like, Mulder would be like Scully. <laughs> you know that would be the episode. That's the entire episode. That's word how the for entire word. show works, right there. Yeah. Oh, you, it's not Nailed real. It. Nailed it. You've seen a million things. You don't think this one's real? Nah, this one's not real. <laughs> oh man. You know, you know who was never on the X Files? Who? The Reptilians. I feel like that's something that would have been a staple. Like at some point, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Maybe they made the show. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. The Reptilians made the show. You know, I think about it. Mulder could have been a reptilian. That's why he. That's why he was like, oh. Like, that's all this, like, he, 
he kept seeing things and saying that's not real or that's not gonna like that doesn't make sense you've seen all this stuff and you really doesn't think don't think it's gonna make sense are you joking it has like everything else but it doesn't have reptilians yeah. <laughs> my mom and dad who are very much into the show and recently got into the show i just rewatched all of it they were freaking out every single time that he'd be like oh, i don't think this is this doesn't make sense or i don't think that's real and they're like, you just saw... Did, are you watching the show with us, sir? Have you seen everything? You were, the, yeah. you were in yeah, the show. Skinner was hard to win over after the first couple seasons. And then in the last couple seasons, like, Skinner's the best fucking character ever. I know. But um, but then, like, everyone else, like, all the other directors that go through with everything, even, like, all the way up to Carrie Elways, they're just like, are you not seeing what's going on right now? Are you a fucking idiot? Yeah, you want to slap on that point. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> So, uh, so this was lots of pasta. Um, lots of. We read, uh, we read two pretty cool fucking stories. Definitely. And, uh, how, how did you feel, Mr. Gestalt? I very much enjoyed showing you the first, being that it was, uh, something that really... Kept... I had heard wonderful things about yeah, it. Yeah, it so kept it, me up like, at like, one time. I didn't have to go get the story because you mentioned it. I already had it slotted. Which ready, is awesome. Ready to be read. So that, that shows that, like, that, that story has some fucking, um... That, that story carries. It really does carry. And how do you feel about the second one? Oh, the second one was cool. You know, it, it very much was an X-Files thing. I, I wanted it to be more creepy, though. Honestly? It had a creepy turn in there, for, and then I wanted it to just keep going creepy. and it just When he smiled at the camera, I was really, really hoping that... I think his name is Jeremy. I was really hoping that it was more horror-related. Exactly. Whether and then it went science fiction. It went science like, fiction, which, I mean, you can cross both territories, but this was definitely more X-Files, less horror, more thriller territory. Totally. Like, dun-dun, and you're like, oh, totally. okay. Totally. But I think something that you should really look into is finding for yourself, whether it's on Vatsa or it's for yourself, just, s- like, a story that you actually have your skin crawl to the point of where you... Want to stop reading it? There's one in episode twelve called nine one one that um, mm-hmm. Sir Booberry and I read. That one freaked me the fuck out. Okay, and that one that one made me uncomfortable. I'll watch it just because it's it's kind of real. That's what I mean. Okay, like it's um, there isn't a lot of supernatural shit that makes me freak out a little bit. But I, I would definitely say a Nazi's Go Man story was definitely up there. Awesome, because that that just sounded great. Yeah. Um, I would say Slenderman's the closest thing that I am. Um, to the get your skin crawl? Yeah, that, that fucks around with me. Like, mentally. I just, I, there's some, there's everything about Slenderman makes the perfect monster. Yeah, definitely. That I love the paranoia. I love the mental, the mental, like, the terror. Yeah. Oh, so this was lots of pasta with the uh, Gishon and Cat and Death. I hope, you, uh, Oi, mate. I hope all you listeners out there uh, fucking enjoyed this one. Peace. Holla. Nine in the deep.